this morning and we continue our study on the Holy Spirit and this morning do indwelling of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so I want to start by looking at and I'm using indwelling here in a very broad sense, all right, especially when you're talking the Old Testament. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think you'll see what I mean when we get in. The Old Testament, I'm going to start with the Old Testament. The Old Testament saints are being described as being indwelt. We've got three instances of Old Testament saints actually being described as being indwelt, okay, as opposed to something else. Like usually um, <clears throat> the term is the Holy Spirit came upon somebody. Okay, so we're just going to take them as they come. And uh, the, first, the first individual we come to is Joshua. <clears throat> and that's, as some of these, uh, I was looking these up. Uh, like Joshua, as one described being dwelt, did not surprise me at all. Uh, I ex actually expected more, <laughs> but um, there are more in, in one sense. There are, we'll see. But Numbers twenty-seven eighteen, where it says, <clears throat> So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him. And then his commission. And now let's compare that with Deuteronomy thirty. 34, which is the next book. Deuteronomy 34, 9. <clears throat> so he was commissioned back there in Numbers, and here we are in Deuteronomy 34, 9. As you can see that this is like the book is coming to an end. So this is the, matter of fact, this is the chapter that describes the death of Moses. And now you get to verse 9. It says, Now Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So again here, uh, <clears throat> and then verse 10 says, Since then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. I had to put that in there. Moses, Moses was quite an individual. And you know that's... Um, <clears throat> See, now Moses, we'll see, was described as somebody the Spirit came upon, but not necessarily dwelt. But then things were very different back then, especially during Moses. Remember, Moses had a lot of face-to-face -face conversation. Remember, God says, Moses, who I talked to face-to-face. -face. So, it, it, see, it was so... That's why people that say everything's the same. No, everything's not the same. It was different. God worked with his people in a different way than he works with his people in our day. I mean, I kind of feel sorry for those who don't see that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's pretty obvious to me, you know, unless somebody's visited by God. And but anyway, um, Ezekiel. Ezekiel 2, 1 and 2. <clears throat> then he said to me, that would be God, then he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And he spoke to me, and, excuse me, and as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. And then one more, it talks about the prophets in general, and we need to go to First Peter for that one. But I, I notice it's not mentioned in the, uh, <clears throat> other than Joshua and Ezekiel, 
First Peter one. Ten to eleven. And to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made a careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them, okay, the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating. He predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. Right there, you could, uh, you could do a seminar off of the information in, the, in that little passage right there. Um, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ. Now, we've already seen this in our early studies. This is another term, another name for the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ, Spirit of God, right? Holy Spirit, all these different titles. The Spirit of the Most High. Remember all those titles? This is another one of those we, we talked about earlier. <clears throat> and then compare that with Second Peter. One twenty and 21, one of those uh, key verses as to the inspiration and authority of Scripture. Second Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And we just saw from chapter of, of 1 Peter 1, that they were spirit within them, led them, and now let's compare that to Acts two twenty-five, <clears throat> which means I got to back up. Acts chapter two, verses twenty-five to thirty-one, and I'm kind of setting even more groundwork for as we move through our study this morning. Acts two twenty-five to thirty-one. <clears throat> For David says of him, and here now we're going to be, uh, this is going to be quoting out of Psalm 16. I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will abide in hope, because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow thy holy one to undergo decay. Thou hast made me known, <clears throat> you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And he goes on to say, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that, that both died and was buried, and, 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 and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to, to seat one of his descendants upon his throne. <clears throat> And he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the, of, of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. So I wanted to point this out now, so we move through the outline. We're going to talk about David later and other aspects of, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit compared to New Testament indwelling. And um, so there, David called up a, a prophet, and therefore... Um, functioned as a prophet and, and therefore would fall under the description given by first Peter that making these prophecies he too was moved along by the Holy Spirit and that becomes very important like I say further down in our outline now Joseph and Daniel were also described as being indwelt I 
I separated them out from the top list because of who the people were that were saying this. You'll see what I mean. Genesis, start with Genesis. We'll start with Joseph. We'll go in historical order. Genesis 41. I'm sure most everybody probably has by now, but uh, if, if you've never read the story of the life of Joseph, it is a fantastic story. I mean, you talk about, number one, a godly individual who was not perfect, okay? Um, if, he, if, he, if he wasn't perfect, he wouldn't have been bragging to his brothers. <laughs> but but you, you see about the hand of God working through an individual's life, and then that man, Joseph, living up to that calling that God had brought him to. It's, it's, it's a truly an amazing, amazing historical event. 41 verses 38 and 39. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has informed you of all this, there was no one so discerning and wise <clears throat> as you are. And uh, from then on, basically, he was second in command. You know, to, he, only had to, he only answered to Pharaoh. Other than that, the entire, all of Egypt answered to Joseph. Okay? <laughs> so, it was an, like I say, it's an amazing story. And let's look at Daniel. Daniel was the other one. We've got Daniel. And we'll start with chapter 4. Now, Daniel is going to be, and here's another guy. An, another amazing man put in a, in a very critical position. You had Joseph sitting in Egypt preserving the line of preserving the Hebrews. He, he, he was the man God called to just preserve that nation. That nation. Remember that nation basically at that time consisted of uh, <laughs> Jacob and his other 11 brothers. That was, that was the nation Israel. And that was preserved. Remember through famine and everything else. I mean back then to be under the protection of Egypt, you were then under the protection of the most powerful nation in the, in the world at that time. So now Daniel 4, 8 and 9. But finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my, <clears throat> of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods, plural. And I related to the dream him saying, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods and some could translate this singular, but is in you, and no mystery baffles you. Tell me the visions of my dream, which I have seen along with the interpretation. And then verse 18 goes on to say, This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. <clears throat> now you, Belteshazzar, tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods, or holy God, is in you. And it goes on. So that's Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. And then you have chapter... Yo. I have a question. Uh, mine says, for a spirit of the holy gods. So he, he still didn't believe at this point. Well, <clears throat> he was coming soon, though. Yeah. It was coming soon. But he was on the right track. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to read that far in Daniel today. But uh, 
you go to the end of chapter 4, and I believe what you have in the last, uh, well, from verse 34 on, you have Nebuchadnezzar's uh, profession. profession of faith right there. But at chapter 5, we move on. Nebuchadnezzar is now gone. And uh, we have Belshazzar. So we got Belshazzar, chapter 5, verse 10 to 14. So if, now here's the queen, Belshazzar's queen. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. I mean, that's what they did when you walk in. You say, O king, live forever. And that way you might live for at least a time. Uh, <clears throat> to not say that is a major social faux pas. You, but you may see, which if you get certain kings in the wrong mood, you may not live the day, <laughs> let alone forever. Okay? But that was, O king, live forever. <clears throat> do not let your thoughts alarm you your face be pale there is a man in your kingdom in whom a spirit of the holy gods and is in the days of your your father illuminated insight and wisdom like the vision of the gods were found in him and king nebuchadnezzar your father your <clears throat> your father the king appointed him chief of the magicians conjurers chaldeans and diviners it's a whole group of this similar type of people this was because an extraordinary spirit spirit, knowledge and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas, and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel, whom, whom, the, whom the king named Belteshar. Let Daniel now be summoned, and he will declare the interpretation. Then verse 13 goes on, then Daniel was brought in before the king. Then the king spoke and said to Daniel, are you the Daniel who was of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought before Judah? Now I have heard about you that a spirit of God, the gods is in you and illumination, insights, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Okay, so there's number two. You've got, you've got, Belsh you've got Nebuchadnezzar. You've got, I believe, the, the queen was probably Nebuchadnezzar's wife or one of them. Um, <clears throat> and then we move on now to Belshazzar. And he's giving testimony to that from, his, from at least hearing about it and then chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 we've got we move now from the Babylonian kingdom to the Medo-Persian kingdom and here's Darius and it seemed 6-1 it seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the, <coughs> over the kingdom that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So again, so here you got Darius. He surmises, hey, this guy's got an extraordinary spirit in him. And uh, so... Which means, which tells us too that what Daniel had was an extraordinary God working through Daniel. And it, it's so, I, I find it so interesting. Daniel was one of the first, Daniel was in that first phase of captives taking. I know I'm getting regressing a little bit here, but it's such a tremendous story. And yet, he was one of the first captives taken, yet he outlived his captors and on into the next kingdom and became a big wig in that one too so <clears throat> i mean he lived faithfully and god was very faithful with him as well but there you have and the reason i put these separate these out it's interesting to me that 
pagan kings, queens, and rulers saw Daniel. And they saw that he had a special spirit of some sort within him. They, they didn't understand indwelling of the Holy Spirit, guaranteed. Uh, guaranteed. Um, <clears throat> so, but I just thought that was just another uh, uh, statement to that. And um, so anyway, that's why I didn't listen with the first ones, because what do they know about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? What do we know for that sake? Anyway, in the future, all saved of Israel will be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Right now, or back then, that wasn't. We're going to see that. Let's look at Ezekiel 36. <clears throat> We're in Daniel. Just back up one. We get Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, 22 to 38. <clears throat> Therefore, say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, It is not for your sake, O, o house of Israel, that I am <clears throat> about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. Has that happened yet? Were they, did they remain holy in front of Rome, let's say? No. No. No, Pilate's determination was, what is truth? <laughs> you know, uh, verse 24, <clears throat> and I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and I will be, and, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and you <clears throat> within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And I will <clears throat> and you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers so you will be my people and I will be your God. Okay, that is the yet unfulfilled promise that's coming to Israel. And I believe it's pretty obvious from Scripture that that will come to fruition in what we call the millennium, that thousand-year period described uh, briefly in Revelation 20. It makes perfect sense along with everything else. Now, <clears throat> and in chapter uh, 37, 12 to 14, there's the vision of the uh, well, in chapter 37 of, of Ezekiel, you have a vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. And um, <clears throat> in the explanation portion of it, which is talking about the reunion of bringing Judah and Israel back together. Remember who Judah and Israel? Judah, the southern two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, and the other ten, the northern two tribes, went by the name Israel in like Kings, like in First Kings and Chronicles. And so here you have it. They're going to come back, so uh, the lost ten tribes, God knows where they are. <laughs> God knows where they are. Matter of fact, in uh, Revelation 7, he's going to bring, he's going to personally set up 12,000 out of each individual tribe and names them. So, I guarantee you, they're not lost, so there goes another 
another passage in Revelation that uh, those who want to allegorize, shot down. <laughs> okay. Now, 37, 12 to 14. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I am the Lord, have, <clears throat> have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. And now let's move forward to the New Testament book of Romans. Romans. Another again, another one of those critical sections here, especially, there's a lot in Romans 9, 10, and 11, but one of the major themes in that group of uh, chapters is the future of Israel. Okay? And he puts Israel in context with the church, okay, and making it perfectly clear that the church is not taking Israel's place. I mean, if you can't get it from Romans 9, 10, and 11, you're never going to get it. <laughs> I mean, because that is a thrust of these three, it's, in, it's all over the place in these three chapters. Um, <clears throat> Romans nine twenty seven says, And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. And that's a quote right out of Isaiah 10. And then we move forward through this whole discussion about the future of Israel, among other big lessons in here. Go to chapter 11, where he concludes, or he's going to conclude the, uh, the discussion here. <clears throat> Verse 25. For I do not want you to be uninformed of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And thus, all Israel will be saved. I mean, who's all of Israel? The all of Israel is that remnant spoken of back in chapter 9, verse 27. That's the all of Israel that will be saved when that one day, still out in our future, that one day when Israel is collected together and as a nation, 100% of those folks are saved. That, that remnant will be all saved, all of them. And that's going to all the Old Testament saints and anybody that's alive and comes in from the, the tribulation, they're all, that is that Israel, and every one of them going in there will be saved, and all these promises then will happen to them. Happen is to them. Absolutely. 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 That's at the very beginning. That's at the very beginning. They'll look on him whom they have pierced when he at the second coming. And once they get over that shock, those that are saved will rejoice with him for a thousand years. Which Put that thousand years in context. That thousand years is the first thousand years 
of the kingdom that lasts forever, never, 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 never. <laughs> that's not the, it doesn't start and stop. It, that's just the first thousand years of it. And, vroom, and it just keeps going. Okay. No, no need for a comfort break. No, no comfort break. <clears throat> we'll be quite comfortable by then. I'm not sure how all that's going to work, but be much better than where we are now. <laughs> Oh, when the Gentile, right now, this is, you could call this the age of the Gentiles. Gentile domination over the nation Israel. And it's been like that for quite a while. And when the fullness comes in, that means when that time is up, when that time is over, when the Gentile domination comes to an end, then all these, and that will come to an end at the second coming as well. I, I can't help but think so. I mean, hey, everything I see overseas, and I'm not one of those date setters, and I'm not saying it's, it's next week, but it could be tomorrow. <laughs> hey, Happy New Year. No. <laughs> I mean, you know. What a new year that would be, Wouldn't that be something? You know, as the ball's coming down, we're going up. Hey, Happy New Year. <laughs> hey, that'd be something, huh? <laughs> if only. Hey, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Yeah. <laughs> Poor fools. No. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> but anyway. What about those that are asleep before the ball drops? Sleep. They're still going. Hey, as far as the church goes, those that are dead are going up, so we're good. <laughs> yeah. Now, he's talking about the sleepers, the ones that sleep. Well, let's face it. Around the globe, there's always going to be somebody awake and somebody asleep. Remember, it's a, this is a worldwide... Uh, deal going on here. Okay. Well, we sure got off of indwelling in the Old Testament real quick, didn't we? <laughs> but, but I just wanted to, about the indwelling of the Spirit, that Israel's all the, you know, 100% of the nation individually will have that in the future. See, the point is they don't have it now, because everything, and we're going to keep going. Let's... <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to look at all, and I cut some out, kind of figuring this, that uh, the Old Testament also describes the Holy Spirit as coming upon certain leaders, empowering them for service. And I believe the indwelling spirit in our, in this church age is for the same reason, to empower us for service, okay? Through, uh, <clears throat> and there's another guy, Bezalel, in Exodus 31, uh, we don't need to turn there, but Bezalel, the, the Holy Spirit, came upon him. And you know what that empowered him to do? To be an excellent craftsman. That he could carve wood for the ark and all that stuff, and the, the tent, the uh, portable, the tabernacle that was out in the wilderness. And then there's a... <clears throat> and then the, uh, Moses and the 70 elders... Where the Holy Spirit came upon Moses and 70 elders. And what do they start doing? They start prophesying. They start proclaiming the word of God. Okay. And then um, <clears throat> in Judges, let's look at the ones in Judges. Because you talk about a nation with a lot of problems. <laughs> and all spiritual. Every one of them. Which might give us a little insight on, on us. <laughs> But here's Othniel, assuming I'm even pronouncing that correct. Anyway, <clears throat> and when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord, yeah, they get in trouble, 
Then they start screaming to the Lord, oh, Lord, help us. You know, I mean, they turn their back on the Lord. And then they start whining and crying. Um, and so Judges 3, 9, and 10, and the, and the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, and the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel. When he went out to war, the Lord gave Cushan Rithamim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and so he prevailed over Cushan Rishatham, whatever, or something similar to that. In other words, it empowered, he was empowered, so he led a victorious crusade against the uh, um, <clears throat> king of Mesopotamia. We'll just put it that way. Okay. And then you got Samson. And Samson, three, three different times. And we kind of know the story of Samson. And um, I know it's funny, the, the secular, Samson, the love story. No, when the love story. It was kind of a pathetic thing in, in many ways. But let's look at Samson. I mean, he's uh, very famous, for sometimes for all the wrong reasons. But anyway, Judges 14.5. Then Samson went down to... <clears throat> Timnah, with his, with his father and mother, and came as far as the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came roaring toward him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. I should have put five and six. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that he tore him as one tears a, a, a kid, through the, so he had nothing in his hand, but he did not tell his father or mother what he had done. So he, he picked up, so he's attacked by a lion, and he grabs this thing, just rips him open basically is what's going on here. And then we know in 1419, another instance, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of them and took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to who's told in the riddle with his anger burning. Anyhow, the point is here, again, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, and he would get great strength to do all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, you, you go out there with the strength to take out 30 guys at once. You know, strength to rip open a lion, but with your hands. And then in 15, 14 through, in chapter 15, 14, 15, is where he pick, picked up the jawbone of the donkey and starts slaying all kinds of people. So again, it made him a fierce, strong fighter. Okay? And then even Saul, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And there's a whole lot of Folks, myself included, aren't a hundred percent sure Saul was even a believer. I mean, because he—he uh, never repented. He never did, and he, you know. But again, I—I I don't want to consign anybody to the nether regions. But I mean, he just—he gave no real evidence of it ever. Um, <clears throat> he was kind of like the nation of Israel itself. Every time they got in trouble, oh Lord, help us, and then meow, they turn right back. <laughs> He does. He does. I mean, one of the classic examples of uh, using uh, was uh, Cyrus, setting the people back, the decree of the first decree of Cyrus, you know, and Cyrus even recognizing the, the God of the Jews, the God of the Hebrews. Yeah, going back. Fine. Here, take some take your take your stuff back for the temple. No, made, you know, softened his heart and made him made him very gracious that way. Um, <clears throat> With the exception of that little story in Esther, they really had it pretty good with the Medo-Persian Empire. They were very, they were kind to Israel. 
they were. Okay, um, so we had Saul, uh, 10, 10, and 11. When they came to the hill, there behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him mightily, so that he prophesied among them. And it came about when all who knew him previously saw that, saw that he prophesied, now with the prophets, that the people said to one another, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? Well, <clears throat> my answer to this is not hardly. But anyway, and uh, <clears throat> 11, 6 to 11, I don't think I want to spend all the time reading that. But this begins, verse 6, came upon him mildly when he heard these words, and he became, <clears throat> the Spirit of God came upon Saul mildly when he heard these words, and he became very angry. And he took a yoke of oxen, cut them in pieces, and set them throughout the territory of Israel by the hand of Mesher, saying, Whosoever does not come out after Saul... And after Samuel, so shall it be done to his oxen. Anyway, the people came out, went with Saul, and they won another victory there. Okay. And now let's compare this with 1 Samuel 16, verse 14. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord, small s, terrorized him. See, that's where, again, it shows us also another thing that we'll point out at the end, that uh, the Holy Spirit was, it was, for the most part, not, <clears throat> you couldn't count on the Holy Spirit being uh, 100%, you know, 24-7, 365, right? Um, it was temporary, and with Saul, it was a different. It was a different case. And you got look at six, verse thirteen. The, the the verse before with the one we just read. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Okay, now here it stayed with David for a while, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah, and then. Verse 14, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit terrorized him, right? So here you have, it's kind of like the, the Lord having the changing of the guard, right? Okay, David's anointed the neck to be the king, Saul phasing him out, which you can read the story, it, keep going. And then now let's compare with, we just saw that in, in, with Psalm 51, where about David being anointed, and the Holy Spirit from that day forward came mightily upon David. And remember, we read earlier, Peter in that first in that sermon at Pentecost, David being a prophet in writing that uh, Psalm 16 that we quoted out of Acts chapter two. And so now Psalm 51:11. <clears throat> now Psalm 51 is that Psalm written in repentance for David's sin with Bathsheba. And <clears throat> I like to read the little heading over the top of the uh, 51.1 right above it, where it says, for the choir director, for the choir director. This would be something, I mean, if you're going to give it to the choir director, it's going to be sung to the whole nation. Okay? For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba, and it's a one big psalm of repentance, 
before the entire nation. And verse 11 says this, Do not cast me away from thy presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. So David, I think, <clears throat> as a prophet, recognized that the Holy, there's no guarantee in the, that, it, that the Holy Spirit is going to stay there and dwell the, your, the entirety of your life. It was a, a, a moment-by-moment temporary transaction at, at the best, okay? Even for someone like, you know, for David. But David sinned, and he, he was afraid that would happen. And then there was another prophecy referring to Jesus Christ himself in Isaiah 61.1. And we're probably going to have to end with this one, and we'll hit the New Testament next week. Or a week after next. <laughs> a special next week. So come and enjoy it. I'm going to be here. <laughs> okay. Isaiah 61.1. This is a prophetic statement. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. I'm going to stop right there. Because where we're turning stops right there. <laughs> Let's look at Luke chapter 3. And we'll end in Luke. Okay, <clears throat> what we just quoted will be, will be referred to here in chapter 4, but 321, I'm going to just work our way there, 21 to 22 says, And when eight days were completed before his circumcision, whoop, that was chapter 2, 321. <clears throat> That's a good, good one, but not for today. Now it came about when all the people were baptized that Jesus also was baptized and while he was praying heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came out of heaven thou art my beloved son in you I am well pleased. And we move to chapter 4 verse remember the Holy Spirit came down upon him chapter 4 verse 1 says and Jesus full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan Okay, from the baptism, right? Return from the Jordan, led about by the Spirit in the wilderness. The Spirit came upon him. What'd that do? Remember, Jesus, what's Philippians 2, emptied himself, came to this earth. So he submitted himself, what? To God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And they led him. And he, from there, he just kept growing and growing. Like, as, to be an example to us, quite frankly... And then we move forward now to verse 14 of Luke 4. <clears throat> and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Okay, baptism, the Spirit came upon him. The Spirit, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, defeated Satan at the temptation. After the temptation now, he... Uh, <clears throat> Jesus returned to Galilee in verse 14 in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through, <clears throat> excuse me, 
throughout uh, all the su surrounding district. Now, I'm going to keep reading. I should have kept reading here. Let's just keep reading. Verse 15, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he, became to, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and, and was, as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it was written. This should ring a bell. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he had known me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And that is Isaiah 61, 1 through the first half of verse 2. It didn't go on. He stopped right there because that's what his ministry wasn't going to go on at that point in time any further. You read further, that's going into what's going to happen at his second coming. So if you go back to Isaiah 61, you read through this. Ah, you see? So, and it's time. <laughs> so we'll uh, pick this up next week. For now, let's close in a word of prayer. And we'll review this and move on. Heavenly Father, we again, Lord, we thank you for this time together. And we thank you, Lord, that um, we can learn from your word. And Father, we just pray that we would apply these things to our heart, that we would grow from it and be better servants of you for, for doing so. And Lord, we're, we're confident that we will. And again, Lord, we just thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.